Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. to the Jerry Petito Show. Everyone and anyone out there who knows me knows I am the author of I'm Not an Addict, I'm Just an Ass. I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass, guys, because 31 years ago, I was a dumbass. But today, through the grace of God, I can honestly say I'm now a smartass. And yes, guys, the word ass is in the Bible. I was challenged. It's in there at least 40 times, and it means donkey. And that's what I was. Saying all that, Everyone knows that, you know, I'm also a nutritional health coach and a recovery coach. We all need to know we have someone to talk to. If anyone out there is struggling, all my services to you are free. Please, please reach out. You need to know you're not alone. Okay. We've had too many tragedies over the last couple of years and I would hate to see another one. So I'm always here for you. If any family member thinks my book may help a family member or a friend, please go to Simon & Schuster's Archway Publishing Bookstore, okay? Guys, we have to start looking at addiction differently. Um, We are not powerless, not over anything, okay? And again, all my services to you are free. Please, please reach out. Having said that, guys, I've got a really cool guest for you all today. Okay, let let me introduce him first off, because he's like sitting there biting at the bits. Eddie Collins, say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody, and hello, Jerry. It's, uh, I'm, you know, chopping at the bits here. It's a beautiful day here in Pennsylvania, Jerry. The weather is beautiful. Spring's right around the corner, and here I am talking to you. You know, it, can't get, it can't get better than that. Oh, my God. You're my best friend already, okay? I love you. <laughs> so I feel the same about you. You know, Eddie, um, uh-huh. your bio is off the charts. There's nothing well, you, you haven't done. It's been crazy, Jerry, and, you know, it's been a whirlwind of things, as I say, a rocket ride, Uh, you know, blessed in so many different areas, growing up in Philadelphia, and I remember one time when I was uh, singing at a show, Cool Bobby B, my good friend Bob Bachman. I love him, yes. The doo-wop stop. Bobby introduced me, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, here's a guy who was born with a phonograph needle in his arm, and he was right. Oh. (laughs) Because, you know, it's just, it's just so many different, we'll talk in different facets and go through things, but it's been great. I've been a performer, vocalist, drummer, bassist, worked in radio as a rock and jock for 10 years, music director, uh, promoter, journalist, you know, did a number of things for magazines over the years, music historian, archivist, and I'm a record collector. I love those 45s, Jerry. So, okay, you just said so much in a mouthful, because we're going to be talking about some of those things. Um, right. But you just said you love 45s. I have to tell you a 45 story. All right? Go for it. Let okay. Yeah, yeah. So everyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Elvis fan. Elvis is my guy. Okay? Mm-hmm. Me- music is a must for you to keep your joy, especially if it's Elvis, baby, because Elvis is my boy. So 
I'm a Christian and, I, and I, we're not talking religion. I'm saying that to tell you this cute story. And normally when new young people find the Lord, they go crazy with it and everyone's going to hell and you got to get rid of all your music and you got to get rid of, you know, all your idols and all this. So someone puts on Facebook years ago, a few years back, that if you love an artist, music, you're idolizing them. It's not okay with God. So I cracked up laughing and I said, all right, Lord, this is a tough one. I'll get rid of all my Elvis stuff, but you got to hit me over the head with it. Okay. So I kid you not, Eddie, the very next day, I get a call from my pastor who moved away about an hour away from us years ago. And he's still in my life, him and his family. And out of the blue, he says, Jer, I need your new address. I've been looking at something for years on my shelf. I got to send him to you. I didn't even ask. I said, all right, Pastor Mark, here's my address, blah, blah, blah. A few days go by. Guess what I get in the mail? What you got? Elvis 45s. And here's what's <laughs> funny about it. Love it. I call him up yeah. cracking up and I'm like, you are not going to believe this. He goes, I'm sure there's a story. His mom was an Elvis fan and he had her original 45s. There were four of them in those old cardboard. Remember those thick cardboard cases? The, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, those, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. And the price tag was 77 cents. Oh, gosh. And I have them to this day. And I said, okay, Lord, you hit me over the head. I don't have to get rid of my Elvis stuff. <laughs> That's true. Hey, Jerry, you should be in my room right now. There's 25,000 45s in here. Oh, I, yeah, I was no. up to 35. I kind of downsized in recent years. But, uh, you know, it was a passion. It was something I was born with, Jerry. And like I said, you know, growing up, I was very fortunate because I'm originally from uh, – Prospect Park is where I grew up early on, then moved to Philly. And I, but I had an uncle who was very close to me. My my mother sang, you know, uh, you know, not professionally, but she worked at uh, Mallory Lodge in the Poconos back in the 1950s when that was the, you know, the big resort area. Okay. So with some of the, we used to call the combos then. But her younger brother, my uncle Jim Drucker, who went into radio when the publishing ended up being a Byzantine priest, you know, a, a long story on, on my uncle's end. But that's how I got into 45s. And as a kid, 1961, I was four years old, Christmas, got a Magnavox record player from my uncle and my grandmother. And all these 45s, you know, nagged by the halos, ramalama ding dong by the Edsels. It just captured me so that as a four-year-old kid, this is what happened. I started collecting records. I started looking at those labels, 1650 Broadway, you know, seeing if there were so many uh, different, uh, you know, record labels that had the same address. And then looking at the producers and the writers, Johnny Badara and Dave White, it just blew up. It got crazy. And I just uh, stayed with it all these years. And I, I just love it. I still have that big passion for 45 RPM records. Well, I was born in 61. Isn't that cool? You just mentioned that. Listen, we have a lot in common, man, right? I'm only a little older than you. I'm uh, only a couple years. Yeah. Okay. So do you mind telling us your age or do you do, do you prefer not to? I'm very proud to say I'll be 65 years young coming up in June 13th. Beautiful. Happy birthday yeah. in June. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and it's only an age. It's only an so, age. It's the music that keeps us young. we got to think young. And as long as we keep listening to music and we stay alive with the, with the artists and everything, that's what keeps us young. Well, you know, I'm going to say something I always say about me and I'm going to say it about you now as well. We were born too late because for us to be in our 60s and to love this and what we're doing and keeping this music alive is pretty cool, right? 
It's so funny you say that. Yes. Those exact words, because back in 1991, I had a gentleman up here at my home. His name was Ted Darrell. Okay. Ted Darrell wrote She Cried for Jay and the Americans. Oh. He wrote for Dusty Springfield, The Magic Touch, for yes. Bobby uh, Bobby Fuller 4. He produced the 2520 album, 2525 album for Zegger Evans. Very nice gentleman. And we were talking about things, and he was signing some of records. And you know what he put on there? Born too late. See, and I said, I said, I said, Ted, why did you put that? He said, Eddie, because you were there. You know, you were there in these recording studios. You were tagging along with your uncle. You were in record, you know, in radio stations. All this stuff. All it was all part of your life, and you re- you were there. Your eyes and your ears were, you know, uh, soaking it all up. But you couldn't be a, a technical. You couldn't be such a part of it at then. You know, but he said you were born too late. And, I uh, can't believe song, it. By the way, by the ponytail. Yes, yeah, ponytail said that. So I can't believe I said that to you of all people. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That is, that's ironic that it's okay. really funny. I say yeah. it all the time on my musical shows because I always laugh and say I would have been in a poodle skirt, blue suede huh? shoes, of course, a black leather jacket and a ponytail, baby. I would have had it all. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, How about it, Dad? So listen, let's give everybody a treat. Uh, we have a few tracks we're going to play and then we're going to uh-huh. have you talk about them, okay? So let's okay. play our first one.
Spellbound. Let's talk about that, Eddie. How it came about, Jerry, that's, uh, we, we released it back in 2017, and uh, Billy Carlucci, my good friend, your yeah, good friend. Yeah, I love him. Billy wrote that and produced it for me. And how it all came about was that back in 2014, uh, I was the president, uh, vice president, rather, of the Keystone Record Collectors. And my PR guy, Derek Shaw, had said, Eddie, you've got to go to North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I said, why? He said, it's you, man. You know, it's the music, it's the radio, it's all this stuff. You've got to go down. So my wife and I, we started making treks, regular treks to 24, uh, from 2014 onward down in uh, North Myrtle Beach. And Jerry, it was like a world of its own. You know, a lot of people, when you mention the words beach music, they think automatically it's, uh, oh, it's the Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, the Ventures. And it's not. It's totally beach music is a mix of the different things. As a matter of fact, the, the national dance down there is the shag, so that's the, you know, that's the big spotlight. You know, the people are dancing all the time. But the beach music is a combination of different things. Uh, back in the late 40s, early 50s, the kids were going through the juke joints, so they were hearing music by Amos Milburn and Billy Ward and the Dominoes, all this, you know, R&B stuff. So what it's a basis of is beach music is the, the old R&B, uh, maybe like something new by uh, Bruno Mars, and you've got a Platters tune, but it all works. I was I was just taken by this. So I started, you know, networking with everybody down there, all the, uh, the, the, the jocks, Ted Bell at the 94.9 The Surf, and... Uh, the promoter sitting in with the bands. There were some great bands down there. Uh, Gary Louder and, and Smoking Hot sang with them a few times in Vision and uh, Blackwater. Then I was writing for the beach music scene, started writing some articles for them. And in 2016, I was a presenter for the Carolina Beach Music Awards. And Eddie Floyd was there, the chairman of the board, Dennis Weaver, and uh, the occasions. And I came back home, Jerry, and I said, you know, I'm cre creating this image. I'm, you know, putting another piece of the pie. What else, you know, would help me make an imprint? And it just dawned on me, I need a song. I, you know, I haven't recorded anything since well, my group, the uh, Rocket 88s, do a solo thing. So I called Billy and I said, Billy, you know what? I said, I want to, you know, do a beach tune. He says, you need a beach song. And I said, yes. He said, I've got something for you. I said, you're kidding. And what he said, uh, Jerry was that he had just uh, completed an album that he's working on. And he said, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you this CD. It says, nothing's listed on it. There's no tracks. I want you to listen to it. And there's going to be a song on there. It's, going to, it's just going to speak right out to you. You'll know what I'm talking about. So what happens is I'm driving down the road, doing a travel to Reading, Pennsylvania with my wife to relax on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, we go into a McDonald's and we've got the CD on. So this song comes up and I almost jump and look at my wife, Debbie, and I said, this is it. This is the one. I went back home. I called Billy. I said, Billy, I got it, man. I said, it's Spellbound. He said, I knew you'd find it. <laughs> so, so, so Jerry, Billy took me into uh, Abstract Studios in Deptford, New Jersey, with uh, Jeff Mulligan Engineering, operating things. Uh, we got his arranger, uh, Billy's arranger, which was Joe Mariani. Joe had done all the big shows with him with Billy and the Essentials. So Joe arranged the music, did some of the guitar tracks, and did some bass work. Uh, I sang the lead vocals. Billy and I did some lead, some harmonies on there. Uh, it was just a, a big, big production. I played congas. Uh, Frank Jordan from the Jordan Brothers came in and did sax. But when, and I did the actual, the last mix, what we just heard, that the final mix was done by me. And we were just astounded by it. Matter of fact, when I was doing the mix, Jerry, uh, Billy was in the other room uh, in the uh, reception area watching an old... Uh, dvd of merv griffin oh wow <laughs> and, and, and i'm working on this this mix of this track you know i'm excited about this and uh billy and I, I said billy come on and listen to it he says i already heard it it's great 
Jeff, give him five copies. Let's go, you know? Mm. So that's what happened. We did spell bad. It would have been fall of 2017. Uh, right away, Jerry, we got immediate reaction. Our airplay in the Carolinas, God bless us, uh, we did Virginia, uh, some stations in Florida, then back home naturally here, you know, Pennsylvania, uh, tri-state area, New Jersey, and New York. Uh, a lot of the club jocks were on it. So it did well for us, and I was very happy about it. You know, it, it put me into a nice light, you know, being down in NMB, North Myrtle Beach. Well, I love the song, and kudos to, listen, Carlucci, baby, because you know why? He got you to listen to the whole CD. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, Billy, and our history is rich. We go back to when I was 19 years old, Jerry. That's how long I know, know, know Billy. That's yeah, great. done a lot of things together over the years. That's great. Amazing. I love the song. Absolutely. Thank you. So, all right, let's hit him up with one more now. We'll talk about it, and then we'll go back into your incredible history here, because I have a couple okay. cool questions for you. So, all right, let's play Let's Hang On. Here we go, guys. There ain't no good in our goodbye. True love takes a lot of trying. Oh, I'm crying.
So let's talk about that song, man. Everybody loves that song. Let's hang on. Let's hang on to the Rocket 88s. And as I say, Jerry, uh, it's a very heartfelt part of my life because that was a, that was actually the second the second coming for me. And uh, back in the uh, 19, late 1970s, right out of high school, I was married with my wife and I, you know traveling around the country with different acts, the drifters, and all different other things happening. But in 1983, it just seemed that the performance end of it, you know, tr- you know, being on the road and things like that, the five, six nights a week weren't happening. Uh, they weren't as plentiful as they were. And, uh, you know, that was my livelihood. That's how to, you know, feed my kids. And uh, what am I going to do? I got to do something else. And my uncle kept saying, Eddie, get in the radio, get in the radio. Well, that's what happened with Eddie. So I ended up in the radio in June of 1983, 10 years, you know, spent, uh, you know, with radio. And naturally, you know, we all know that it's not the most secure, uh, you know, position to be in. It's a very passion driven, you know, course. But there's a lot of, you know, corporate infrastructure, there, you know, downsizing and format changes. And, you know, anybody who's been in radio understands it, you know, and I just had a sour taste for it by 1983 and had to get out of radio. And it was so funny because right before, actually, I was involved in a corporate downside, but right before it happened, I got a phone call from a gentleman by the name of Fat Robbie Shellhammer. And Robbie was like a, like a local uh, Elvis persona guy. Everybody, you know, loved everybody, knew, knew Robbie. We had worked together in some aspects. And he asked me if I would uh, MC a show that he wanted to uh, re- kind of revitalize the group and bring some of the boys back together to do one-off for uh, the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I said, sure, I'll MC, you know, just let me know what time, where, and what, and whatnot. And here he calls me back five minutes later and says, listen, Eddie, you know, you work with us. Why don't we, why don't you work up front with me? And Jerry, I always wanted to be a front guy. I was always, you know, a drummer, kind of, I guess, a frustrated drummer, you know, because I, you know, I was good, you know, up front with people. Uh, I'm a good, you know, front guy, you sing well. And so I said, sure, we'll do that. So what happens is we we put like 29 songs together, and we're going to call it the Fat Robbie Reunion Tour from uh-huh. Anguish. So on, so on June 8th, 1991, a thousand people show up to see us. And I'm not one that takes, you know, something like that too easily. So in the next couple of days, I was brainstorming. And it's always about, in our business, you know, being in the right place at the right time, number one, supply and demand, you know, and if there's a niche, you know, you're going to have your niche in the marketplace. And I just felt so strongly. I, you know, connected with Rob and the other guys. I said, listen, I think we should go out to a, do a handful of dates, you know, the reunion tour, da, 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 da. So lo and behold, what happens, Jerry, it ends up to be 14 years. Amazing. <laughs> Rob had left. He left in 97. He had some heart uh, health issues and stuff. And sadly, he passed away in 2000. But the band uh, rock and rolled right until... Uh, until uh, 2005, my some matter of fact, Keith had just he played on the uh, Let's Hang On track there, and a couple others we're going to hear as well. And then my daughter Carrie came in and she took uh, took his place when he had left the band. But it was like my second coming because I missed performing as much as radio was taking the void, you know, of being in the business. And I loved, you know, radio per se. I loved for programming, you know, uh, you know. I loved knowing everybody in the business, all the promo guys, all the labels and stuff like that. And you know, I was very aggressive. But it just, you know, things didn't happen uh, in the in the way that you know that they maybe should have. Or you know, at, I probably there's a fate, and that's why I got back into music and my life turned around in so many different ways that were more 
plenty of when I went to virtually back in the old days, more accolades, more things happening for me. I just, you know, it was something I missed you know, not being on stage, but it was so good to be back there. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, uh, the, the, the rocket 88s were a big part of it. So I have a question for you. I ask all my entertainer friends this, the same question because it's important to me. Mm-hmm. So you've met so many people. Okay. Who haven't you met that you wish you could have? And that's a good question, too. Uh, I think about that often. Uh, one of them that comes to mind would have been Del Shannon. Oh. And Del Shannon, I love because, you know, because of his of his voice and his falsetto and all those great, great songs. You know, not just Runaway, but Little Town Flirt, Stranger in Town, Breakup. Uh, you know, I think that's one person. Recently, there was a few people. That, I, I know Vito Pacone was on your show a few weeks ago. A beautiful yes. guy. I hope we get to meet at the East Coast uh, Music Hall of Fame. And he had mentioned about there was a week where we had lost a bunch of, you know, our great artists. Yes. And, and there was one or two people in there that I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to, you know, be able to, you know, connect with them or ever meet or, you know, do an interview or something like that. But there's so many people. But then there's so many great people that I did work with, Jerry, right. uh, that are at the top of my list. Ray Charles. I mean, to oh, him, please. Him, you know, <laughs> and wa- have him walking up the stairs with his bodyguards and his uh, brocaded coat, uh. you know, and, and introduce myself, shake his hand, you know. And Bobby V., uh, would be right under there. I worked with Bobby uh, twice. I sang with him. We did an interview uh, on the radio WHLM in Bloomsburg. Jerry and I had mentioned to Bobby how much I loved his songs and adored uh, all these tunes, and I sang them and stuff. And Bobby said, well, at the show, why don't you come up and do one with me? Um, I said, you're kidding. Oh. I said, absolutely. He said, what do you want to do? I said, Thousand Eyes. He said, you got it. Oh. So we sang together the night of the Thousand Eyes. I actually have you know, a copy of it and everything. And that was unreal because we sh- we swapped verses he sang one i sang the other verse then i you know we we'd harmonize on the chorus and at the end of the at the end of the performance when we got uh, jerry he went up front looked at the crowd and everything everybody's you know clapping and everything and it all died down he goes geez and he sounded more like the record than me amazing jerry you don't know how i felt you know, and we stayed friends, you know, for years. We corresponded. Matter of fact, when I was in between things uh, with radio, redesigning my promo kit and stuff like that, uh, Bobby had put a nice recommendation letter in there for me and stuff like that. He was a beautiful guy. And it was sad that, we, you know, we lost him a few years ago with Alzheimer's. And, right. you know, it's, we're seeing this so much uh, lately. And it's uh, it's just disheartening. And But, you know, we've got their music. That's the whole thing. Well, beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, sure. So... We're going to play a song that means a lot to both you and I, a good friend of both of ours. And you you actually got to be with him before he got sick, and I was at his last show at his table before he got sick. So let's give a little tribute. Let's play the song first, and then we'll have you share. Okay? Expressway to your heart. Here we go, guys. Now you won't look in my direction On the expressway To 
alone I got caught in the rush hour That I started to shower you with love and affection Come on, look in my direction On the expressway tribute come on talk about our buddy it's very hard to talk about you know someone who put so much energy you know into music and into his life right. and gave us so much as well and we're talking about kenny jeremiah from the the fabulous soul survivors yes and, and jerry going back to you know to 1967 i'll never forget being a 10 year old kid and watching jerry blavitt's discophonic scene and seeing the Soul Survivors on, it had to be around September or so when the record was, you know, charting real high at the number one. But I, the, the song had so much impact, you know, for me as a kid, and it resonated with me. I love the follow-up, Explosion in Your Soul, maybe even more than, you know, Expressway and Mission Impossible. But my thing was, you know, growing up with the music and, you know, getting involved as being a performer and radio, I want, you know, I loved, you know, listening to the sounds. I, I want to know what happened at the session, what, you know, who was doing what, uh, you know, what happened, why the record didn't make it. I wanted to meet these guys and get a chance to, you know, to talk with these guys one on one. And which I was very fortunate over the years to have that happen, you know multiple times you know more than what i would ever imagine and in the story of the soul survivors i never had the chance to meet richie or charlie or kenny and the beautiful thing about social media which i know you're going to agree is that you know it's done a, it's done a world for us yes you know naturally you know and it's used you know constructively promote you know especially if you're you know you're involved in the industry yes. to promote yourself you know there's so many different wonderful things and i'm a big one as you'll anyone who follows my facebook post i'm always you know uh you know, promoting and I'm always, you know, flashing back and paying due to those great artists, the yes. great songs or whatever the case might be. And in the case of the Soul Survivors, there was a, a post that I had put up on Facebook and uh, I forget if it was somebody's birthday or what the case was, Charlie or Richie, whatever. But anyhow, 
the and when after the Soul Survivors had recorded, you know, their their three singles on Crimson Records, they got a deal with Atco Records. And at the time, Kenny had just left the group. There were some differences or whatever happened. Kenny had left, and the group had gotten the contract with Atco, but Atco would not sign the group unless they had the three singers. Well, there you go. <laughs> so Kenny came back into the fold, and they had the album Mama Soul was on there. And the first single that Echo had out was a song called Turn Out the Fire. Now, I have the promo copy, and I've also got an insert. Now, the insert is Echo, you know, pushing the thing, and they also have the picture of the group on there. So I had made reference to this, you know, and I mentioned the singers, you know, Charlie, Richie Ingui, and Kenny Jeremiah. Someone comments and says... Oh, I didn't know there were three singers. And once again, I said, Richie, Charlie, and Kenny. Kenny Jeremiah saw that. I had never met the man, didn't have a chance to talk to him, but he messaged me back on Facebook and went out of his way to thank so much. Eddie, I can't, you know, I appreciate so much, you know, you recognizing Aww. the Soul Survivor and mentioning that there were three song uh, singers. I'd like to talk to you. Can I have your phone number? So Kenny calls me. We're on the phone, Jerry, for two hours. This is how, and if you're a friend of Kenny's, you're a friend for life. Oh. And I learned that very, very quick, oh. you know. Are you and kidding? Yes. Continue. We, I'm we sorry. Talked, yeah. We talked, we had this first initial conversation for like two hours, talked about everything, you know, uh, talked about, I mentioned Jolly Joyce Agency because my uncle had worked for them back in the early 60s and I went through them with the drifters. And so we had different common ground and everything. And then I, you know, I'm always pushy, I'm aggressive. And at the end, I said to Kenny, I said, by the way, Kenny, I said, listen, I'm a vice president of the Keystone Record Collectors in Lancaster. We have a show every, a big show every uh, Sunday, uh, second Sunday of the month down there. And I'm doing some meet greets. Can I get you to come down? He says, absolutely. When do you want me? <laughs> so that Amazing. started, you know, our friendship. And then naturally, with us being members of Broadcast Pioneers in Philly, you know, great organization, you know, supporting, you know, uh, the broadcast media in general. And uh, every, I guess every Christmas and every March, we would do what was called the Rock and Roll Luncheon. And a lot of us would perform. Joe Terry would be there, Danny and Jr., Stephen Caldwell, the Orleans, uh, you know, Kenny, and, and, and I would be on top of there with a bunch of other artists as well. And Kenny, when we would be up there doing Expressway, I'll never forget the first time that I, that I sang with, the, uh, with him up there. And he looked at me and says, Eddie, you take the bridge. Which meant, I got lost, you know, oh my God, it was phenomenal. So we became, you know, very close friends from there, you know, and naturally when I came down to Philadelphia, we would go over to Brax and see Kenny over there. And, uh, but his stage persona and Jerry, you know, it was unbelievable. He had the energy that was, that, that not a lot of people, you know, fortunately had. And he was very energetic, very uh charismatic out front and uh, just a beautiful guy and, and i can't believe he's gone it, it hurts it really does well john monforto the philadelphia rocky impersonator he was given that name by the former mayor of philly um him and his wife debbie are very good friends of mine and they were very good friends with kenny and that's how i mm -hmm. got to meet kenny uh -huh. and um i had an interview set up with him years ago but we didn't meet at that point so uh -huh. then John was doing a show and didn't tell me and, you know, had me at one of the front tables with, with my guest and I'm sitting there and Kenny's sitting there and he's smiling at me with this big grin and I'm smiling back and I go, I know you. And he goes, and I know you, my Jersey jewel and got up and gave me the biggest hug and a kiss. 
From that That's moment right. on, yeah. it was like we were family. And he would call me. We spoke probably once a week. And he would call me or I would call him. And he always would call me and say, hello, my Jersey Jewel. I have, you know, I have such fond memories and I thank John for introducing me to him and listen, may he rest in peace eternally, right? And that's the whole thing, Jerry. And we're, we're very, you know, we're very fortunate in our lives, you and me, that we've got, had the chance, the opportunity to meet people like him. Yes. You know, those are the things we remember, you yes. know, and it, luckily, you know, I mean, over my years, I've had very few artists, you know, that I can say anything derogatory, but I mean, right. it, it's always been positive, you know, most right. aspects. And, and even uh, growing up, wonderful. yeah, even growing up in the disco days when I used to club and everything, that song was always played. I mean, amazing. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then after the after all that, you know, with the Soul Survivors and everything, the Kenny went out touring with, uh, with Shirley Goodwin, with Charlie yes. and Company, with the Shame, Shame, Shame. Yes, because, yes. Uh, Jesus, the lead singer, didn't want to tour, so Kenny went out. And there's videos of him overseas and stuff, you know, doing the vocal and all. Tremendous, you know, he fit right in with Shirley. Oh my really goodness. Did. So, yeah. all right. So now um, let's play another song and then we'll talk a little bit more about your incredible mm-hmm. career. Let's play the Dupree's medley. All right. Here we go. Let's do that. And then we'll talk Wonderful. about it. Please tell me why. Don't you be
on, baby. Let's talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> you preached that they once again to rock at 88. And Jerry, back in uh, you know the 1990s when we were performing, it was great because we we were a show band, not and, and more you know, glorified you know than a weekend band. We were doing costume changes. Uh, you know, we had matching outfits. We were doing skits, props, the whole bit. And our music was the same way. It was very challenging, not just a three-chord, you know, uh, rock and round the clock type of stuff. You know, we want to get more creative. And I was always passionate about the music of the Dupree's. And I love the arrangements. And I believe the gentleman's name was Fred uh, Wisemantle, who was the arranger. Uh, he worked with Glenn, Glenn Miller. Okay. So that's why you heard the, the meshing of the saxophones and the clarinets, you know, that, that gave that, that, that beautiful sound you know naturally Dupree is we lost uh Joni James a few weeks ago Joni had done yeah. uh why don't you believe me have you heard so you know the Dupree's dipped into that songbook and took those songs and their b-sides were great all this music by the Dupree's I adore I love this stuff and nobody was doing them you know other than the Dupree's so back in uh 76 when I was going to go on the road with Danny and the juniors they were doing a Dupree's medley and I really loved it and I had a copy of it but it, it missed, didn't have all the songs in it. There was some different things. So we took the idea of that and kind of put our own spin on it, put more of the Dupree songs in there. I brought my uh, nephew and Frank Carabelle to play sax on the session. And that was something different. When we went out to do the Dupree's, it was like, whoa, you know, this is class now. And I always admired their, you know, their their sound, their work. I did get to do a couple of shows emceeing when Mike Mike, uh, Mike Arden was still with the group. And then, of course, later with Tommy Patillo, you know, came back and different things like that. But, you know, it's great to see that, you know, Tommy's keeping the sound alive. You right. know, him and uh, Phil and the guys. As a matter of fact, the first time I met Phil Granito, he was uh, working with uh, Frankie Lyman's Teenagers back in the, the mid-80s. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but, you know, it was a great time. The, the song was on our uh, Millennium Memory CD. We, we pressed a thousand copies, small run. But we sold them. You know, people love to hearing that, you know, the Dupree's medley. And every time I hear it, you know, I'm very proud of, uh, you know, what we did with it. Very cool. So I'm not going to let you off the hook too easy, baby, okay? I need to still hear about this five-year-old kid in the studios. <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, I'm going to put that on the hold, but I do want to make one. I'm going to put one push out right okay. now. We're talking about Dupree's. All right, all right. I just want to make a mention right now. I'm very thankful for Tabby Patillo and uh, uh, Bill Carrico and Joe Marone and the whole gang. Uh, I'm nominated for oh, the right. East Coast Music Hall of Fame. Right. And, and uh, as a music maker... Uh, historian advocate. So the big deal is coming up on June 6th and 7th at Harris in Atlantic City. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping for the best, you know. You got so, this, uh, kid. Yeah, I'm hoping so. So, well, but you're talking about, you want to take and go all the way back to the real old days. You know? I do. I Listen, okay. I, again, born too late. I love all the old stuff. Come on, five years old. I wish I was in a, radio, a studio at five. Come on. Well, how it all evolved was that, like I was mentioned about my uncle, my uncle father, Jim Drucker, back in the late 1950s, you know, he was bitten by the rock and roll bug. He was singing, playing guitar, and he wrote, wrote a song called The Day Rock and Roll Dies. What would happen, you know, if, uh, you know, Fabian uh, wasn't with this, uh, no more Frankie Avalon, you know, the croon, you know, all this kind of, you know, great, you know, schmaltzy, you know, 50s lyrics, you know, with a uh, C, A minor, F, G, you know, typical rock and roll pattern. So he wrote this song. And he sent it to basically every record company in Philadelphia. Nobody would bite on it. So 
And uh, in essence, he figured, well, I'm going to do it myself. So he booked Sound Plus Studios, and Sound Plus Studios in Philly was where the Dells had uh, done Wizard of Love. As a matter of fact, uh, they were on the session with us. So uh, the song, The Day the Rock and Roll Dies, the Dells on the backups, uh, we had uh, Art Basic on the organ, Roddy Cole, I think, was on the drums. I can't remember the other gentleman. My uncle played guitar. We went into Sound Plus Studios. It was October 12th of 1962. I was five years old. I just went into first grade. And what my uncle wanted me to do at the beginning of the song, he wanted to laugh my head off, like with a historical, you know, little kid laugh and say, the, yeah, the day of rock and roll dies. And then the, the band comes, and the live dance, you know, and all the high stuff and that. But it was phenomenal. So there I am at five years old in this recording studio. So we did that session. And then my uncle booked record art in uh, for march 14th of 19 matter of fact we just celebrated the sixth, uh, 59th anniversary the other day march 14th of 1963 at reco art studios reco art that's where at the hop was cut uh. butterfly by charlie gracie you know all these big hit records the engineer was emil corson who was the owner and, uh, and reco art was was you know was the biggest studio in philadelphia it eventually was sold in 64 to uh gene Ordo. remember giant gene Ordo? Yeah, sure Jack? It, he was Rick Roman at the time as a producer, so he bought uh, Reco Art and turned it into Recording Arts. And this was at 212 North uh, 12th Street. They're, I think they're going to make a landmark out of it now. But in return, in 68, Joe Tarsia bought it, and it became Sigma Sound. So that's why I recorded at at five, at five years of age. You know, after we did the Sound Plus, we did Reco Art, and on the same session that we did, uh, the, the rock and roll dies there, and it was very much more punchier with studio musicians and sax player and this and that. But the, the song's Karen was also recorded and doing the wiggle wobble. Oh, my gosh, was, come on. Those two, song, those two songs came out on Roulette Records. That is so in, cool. <laughs> in May of 1963. And the funny thing, Jerry, is that Karen never made it. And the reason was is because Roulette Records and Morris Levy put their money in their muscle into another song called Easier Said Than Done by oh. the Essex from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's beautiful too, though. All right. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. But that was where my, my beginnings started, you know, and that from from there on, you know, I was bitten. That was it, man. You know. Amazing. All right. So now, wow, amazing. Thanks for sharing that with me. I really needed to hear that. Oh, sure. <laughs> so great now, story, yeah. Oh, great story. Let's play Pony Time, baby. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Uh, we've got some... Wow, you gave me some great tunes. Here we go, guys. It's party time. Get up. And now everybody. It's party time. So get with it. Don't quit it.
on, baby. Pony time. Chubby Checker. All right. Chubby Checker. Oh, my God. You know what, Jerry? You know, going back into when I was a kid, and I remember, you know, hearing all those records as a young kid on the radio, the twist, Chubby, you know, doing Pony Time and doing, uh, you know, the Huckleblock and, uh, you know, everything else. So many great memories about Chubby, but uh, the one thing that I wanted to share is that uh, this is funny. It goes back to I had met Chubby, you know, probably about 1986. I did an interview with him on his uh, tour bus. Some of my friends uh, were opening up for him. But it was 2016, and I uh, was leaving my day job, walking in my car, and my phone rings. And I see on there it's this name, Jeff Troy. Well, Jeff Troy was a bass player and a singer, and I had worked with him with a group called Ricky and the Rockets back in 1979. They were a popular group on the on the Jersey Shore, and I worked, you know, did a couple of weeks with them, and that was it. And with the event of social media and Facebook and all that, we kind of reconnected, uh, you know, loosely. But anyhow, I get to see this phone call, so I go home and uh, I call Jeff Troy. Jeff, how are you? Da, da, da. Eddie, good to hear from you today. So what's going on, Jeff? Well, I'm playing bass and I'm road manager for Chubby Checker right now. I said, great, good for you, man. I said, what's happening? He said, well, that's why I'm calling you. He says, because uh, we're having some problems with the drummer. I oh. said, really? He says, yeah. He says, I was just checking to see what you're up to. And I mentioned, you know, I'm working on the weekends and I have a, a duo with my son, Eddie, and stuff like that. And he said, I said, you know, he's posing the position to me, you know, to go on, you know, do the tour dates. And I said, well, Jeff, I said, how long do I have for this? I said, he said, well, I need to know later tonight. I said, you're kidding. I said, give me tomorrow, Jeff. Give me 24 hours, you know. So I got off the phone, and at the time, Jerry, you know, I've got a day job. I've got all these things going oh. on, with priorities in life. I wasn't ready to retire yet, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, what could I do to make this happen? You know, to play with Chubby Checker, an international superstar in front of 10,000 wow. people a night, you know, I'd give my left arm, you know, as a drummer. So, but then when I calmed down and I thought about everything, you know, there was no way I could make this happen, you know? So the next day, I called Jeff back, and I said, Jeff, I says, you know, I'm really excited about this. I said, but I can't give you the answer you want. And I said, unfortunately, I can't do it, Jeff. There's too many things happening in life right now. I appreciate the thought. And he said, Eddie, you know, I want, you know, I just, I just wanted to call you because I, I remember you from years ago. You were a great drummer, good guy, you know, and give you a shot. And he said, well, anyhow, what are you doing this Saturday? I said, nothing. I, I said, I don't have a gig. He said, why, uh, why don't you come up? Oh, I do have a gig. I said, but I, have, I, I can come up earlier today up in Kirby. And he said, let's do that. So Chubby was appearing in Wilkesbury and uh, went up to the, to the show and went to meet Chubby in a bus before, you know, before the show time. And we took some food over to him and stuff. And so Jeff introduces me to Chubby, reintroduces me. And he said, Chubby is my good friend, Eddie Collins. He said, the hell of a drummer and, you know, good friend and this and that. He said, but he can't come with us. And Chubby looks at me and he said, see, he can't come with us. And I, you know, politely said, Chubby, again, too many commitments, da, 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 da. Well, that reminds me of a guy that played with me. He said, and he was a keyboard player. And he said, he couldn't play with me no more. And I said, well, why? And he says, because I'm going with Johnny Mathis. <gasps> and I'll never forget that. So I'm leaving, Jerry. I was very excited, you know, to, you know, to be, you know, to get the call to go with Chubby and to, you know, to talk, to see Jeff. And I hadn't seen him since 1979. So I'm leaving and I'm walking out. We're hugging each other. I said, Jeff, I said, tell me something. I said, after 37 years, why did you call me? He says, Eddie, because I'll never forget. He said, you were a great player and you were a really nice guy, man. And I said, well, thank you. And that, that, that went with me. They're even 21, 22 years old, making an impression. Here's a guy calling me 37 years later, you know. But did you but regret the, it? Did you regret not doing it? 
No. Okay. I, I think in the back of my mind, very, very little, but I realized that life is too short, you know, Jerry, and I have, I've done so many things, you know, in my lifetime and I'm doing so many things right now. It's just wonderful. It was just a, you know, a piece of the pie, you know, but it wasn't something that, okay. uh, you know, killed me afterwards, you know, okay. oh, gosh, I should have took that gig, you know, right. but uh, I, I was glad to get the call. That was, a, that was enough for me, man. Well, yeah. I got to meet Chubby Checker twice. The first time was in the 20, I mean, in the 80s, I was in my 20s. He did, it might have been like 85, 86. He did a, a benefit here in my town at Heaven's Lounge in the bowling alleys there. And um, I had my back to the stage and my friend said, turn around. And I turned around. He's in my face, gives me a kiss on my lips, picks me up. His two bodyguards are with him. They put me on the stage. I got to do the twist with him. <laughs> it, was, it, up, huh? it was very cool. And then I got to meet him again just a couple years ago. And they got oh. him out of his dressing room for me. And I mm. reintroduced myself. And we gave each other a hug. And I got a photo with him. So it was beautiful. Sure, good. It was We're beautiful. all positive on it. Yeah, yep. cool. So... All right, let's play Here I Here Here Am I Broken Hearted. about that song come on baby here am i broken hearted you, i don't know if you knew this jerry but that was originally done by johnny ray that was one of my favorite songs that was a that was a b-side you know for him 
And uh, I always like Philadelphia. There's a certain sound about it, and anybody who's listening to the to the show with us, you know, will will we'll say you know that Philly sound, that Philly sound. And you know, when I think about the Philly vocal groups and the Danny and the Juniors and the Dope Bells, Anthony and the Sophomores, Little Joey and the Flips. I mean, you go on and on, you know, and you put the four J's in the mix. I mean, that's where it where it gets killer. You know, Junior Perello was such a, 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 an astounding vocalist. You know, he had a commanding. If you listen to By Love Possessed, you know, that's that's the ultimate. You know, but here am I. I always loved the song, and uh, when we went to the studio to do uh, Millennium Memories, the album with the Rocket 88s in 1999, you know, I said, or I'm sorry, this was on the uh, Echoes of an Era album in 1996, uh, and I, I really loved the song, and that's, uh, you know, when I sang it, you know, I was feeling like I was back in Philly, you know, and reliving a lot of memories, right. and uh, just, a, just a great song, a great group, Four J's and Junior Perillo. Amazing. So, we're coming to the close of the show. We still have a few minutes. Um... I'd like you to now tell everyone everything and anything you might have missed, information, how to reach out to you, social sure. media, all of it. I mean, and then I'll say my thank yous to you. But you go well, with all that. Let's do that, definitely. I, first of all, I want to thank, first and foremost, and it's my oh, wife, Debbie. And she's been with me 48 years, Jerry. We're together since we're 16 years old. God oh. love her. You know, she's the rock. She's tolerated everything. And now, and then she blessed me. We have four kids who are all performers. Keith is 45. He's a drummer, but a front man now with a group called Hooligan. My daughter, Carrie, she's a drummer since she's been eight years old. Wow. She'll be 43. <laughs> and uh, she's drumming with a group called Adrenaline with her husband, uh, my son-in-law, Lee Grimes. Then I have my son, Chris. And he's a graphic artist by trade, but also songwriter, singer in the in the uh, reggae vein. He does a couple of shows. <gasps> I love there. reggae. Um, okay, continue. Yeah, he's got a great group called uh, Gorilla Pack, the Bob Marley, all that kind of stuff like that. And then Young Eddie, he is going to be 31. He's been uh, playing guitar since he virtually came home from the hospital. They put one in his hands the day he was born. And uh, he's been playing guitar since he was a kid. He's been touring since he's 18. Back in 20, or back in 2019, he was over in Europe and UK with a group called Crowbot, and their album "Mother Brain" on Crowbot on the uh, Mascot record label went number 10 on Billboard's Rock Active chart. And he's back home now. He's working with the uh, staging company. He's worked with Sticks last year. The Beach Boys, phenomenal. So very proud. The kids, grandkids too, Jerry. And they're out there doing the things. Amazing. I got, I got Harry. Who's tw- 19. He's doing sound now. Billy's 22. He's out performing. He's uh, toured across the the states and stuff like that. So it's crazy, you know. But uh, you know, that's the way my life has been. And for anybody that's enjoying the show, you enjoy, you know, what you're hearing on my end here. Please uh, get in touch with me. You know, I'm on Facebook all the time, and uh, you can also uh, get a, check out my website, which is uh, World Wide Web, EddieCollinsMusic.com, so you can get a hold of me that way. And also, I do want to thank uh, Jerry, John Terlezzi. Oh, John Terlezzi. Hey, hey, Eddie, would you like to be on Jerry's show? And I said, I sure would. So thank you, John, and thank you, Jerry, too. You know, it's been a blast. So I want to say my thank yous as well. So let's start with John. John Terlizzi, I love you, man. Listen, he is my most favorite stalker. Okay? Okay? It's the, it's the I truth. I biggest fan, but... Listen, yeah, okay. he's my favorite stalker. Listen, he stalks me all the time, but I love him so much, and I'm so happy he does. He has given me some incredible, incredible interviews. He is one of the best, and... He's the man. He's the man, and he promotes all our stuff, and we just got to love John. John, you are the best. God bless you, my friend. All kidding aside, we love you. Um, 
Eddie, I want to thank you first and foremost also for honoring me today with this incredibly fun interview. Man, you're unbelievable. I thank still you. can't get over the fact that you're only 65 and everything you've done and five years old in a studio. Get out. Yeah. 64, I, I'll be 65 of the summer. <laughs> so, listen. You know what, Jerry? It, it's, been, it's been great. And I'm continually, you know, busy. I'm writing a memoir right now, which is great. I've been doing that for the past two years. So I'm ho- that should be done by the end of the year with the manuscript. I'm excited about that. My grandson and my son have a podcast, which we're going to be launching in a few uh, few months. So we're going to be talking about that soon online and other ventures. I'm always busy, Jerry. And that's what keeps us yes, young. Yes, you know? I think so. Me active you know and uh, you know it, that's what music's about having fun and, and being out there continually you know uh performing and and and, and producing and, and doing things to honor our music it's amazing so you know what i think would be appropriate sweetheart what you got why don't we close with kenny jeremiah singing hero he closed all his shows with this and we'll end this with a beautiful tribute to the man that's so wonderful. And I thank Kenny for being in my life and your life, yes. too. And uh, Kenny Jeremiah, he was the man. He Mr. was. Mr. Excitement. Mr. Excitement. God rest your soul. Would you dance if I asked you to dance? 